Oren B. Andy G, how's it going, mate? I cracked my head open this week, mate. <laughs> you did what? I cracked open my head. What were you doing? Well, let me tell you the story. It was very, very silly. It was a couple of days ago because I, uh, part of my job working on my sister-in-law's veggie farm is driving the truck and doing deliveries to clients around Christchurch. <laughs> and uh, the truck's got a side door, but it's not as high as your standard door, right? Standard door in your house is about six foot six. I'm about six foot two, I think, roughly. But this thing is about five foot five, right? This is the side door on the truck. Anyway, I'm in the truck, having gone through the side door, just rearranging crates uh, to pull out the ones I needed to deliver to this customer. And as I turned around, because my head was down, I was still too high for the top of the door frame, and I cracked it. Absolutely <laughs> cracked it. And I felt, I, honestly, I felt the shockwaves go down my neck. Oh, that's horrible, eh? And it was just like, for a second, you're like, what the hell did I just do? And then I thought I thought nothing of it. And it kind of tingled for a little bit. You know how it's sort of you've hurt yourself and it tingles, but you think, is that just tingly because I hit myself or is that actually profusely bleeding? Yeah. Um, so anyway, <laughs> I, I had a hat on. I had my cap on. So luckily that might have actually helped a little bit. But when I took my cap off. You had it. Yeah, no, I, was, oh, I wish I had a hard hat. When I took my cap off and had a little feel with my hand, it's right on the top of my head, right underneath where my headphones are sitting right now. And I couldn't really feel anything and had a look and, oh, there's no blood on my fingers. Great. Got home yesterday night and asked my wife to have a look for me because obviously I can't look at the top of my own head. And she looked at it. She took one look and went, oh, my God. <laughs> and I thought, what did I do? She goes, You've actually really hurt yourself. Like you've you've cut your head open, and she said, "And what was her word?" She said, "It's just you can see where you've cut it, and it has been bleeding, but it's like surrounded by all of this goopy stuff." And I said, "Oh shit! Is it is, oh. it, is it spinal fluid?" <laughs> <You know? laughs> Obviously, it wasn't. But what I had done is just my body sending all the stuff it needs to fix the problem. And it's just sort of made its way out of the cut and slowly made its way down my head. So there's a good patch on the top of my head now where I stupidly head-butted the door in the truck that I'm working in. And, um, yeah, it's still a bit sore uh, today. There's always something, eh? Yeah. There's always something, mate. I'm going to try out this new button app I've got. So I think round of applause for Randy Hitner's head, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it works. That's awesome. That was weird. I've got this cool app on my phone. Okay, guys, shut up. I've got this um, cool app on my phone where I can assign sounds to a button and just just press them as we go. <laughs> Stoked on there. I like, I like that idea. I like that idea. That's yeah, good. It's good. We'll see how it goes anyway. <laughs> so I tell you, my funny little story I had. Go for it. I got home the, the, the other day. I'd been out working and I thought I got home and I thought, okay, I'm going to make myself a nice lunch. So I got home early and I knew I had a piece of sirloin steak in the in the fridge and it had been in there for a couple of days. Actually, it had been in there since we had our barbecue. So it had been in there for like a week. Yep. So I thought, oh, that's going to be perfect. It's going to be all nice and ripe and really good. <laughs> so I got it out and I cooked it in the frying pan and I got it beautiful. And I put it, I took it out and I put it on a plate, let it sit. You know, you let your meat sit to get it beautiful. Absolutely. And I thought, oh. I reckon steak and eggs for lunch would be perfect. So I got some eggs out of the fridge and my my mum had dropped us some free-range eggs from my auntie only yeah. like a, probably a few days beforehand. She told me afterwards, she said, be sure to crack these eggs into a cup and then put them in your frying pan or your baking or whatever you're going to use them for because you never know what's going to happen. So yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway, 
I cracked an egg into the frying pan beautifully. Oh, it looked good. And I was thinking, oh, it's going to go really nice on my steak. And I thought, oh, I'll have three eggs with my steak for lunch. So I cracked the second one. I was like, oh, that one had a bit of a soft shell on it, but it went in all right. And it broke the yolk. And I was like, oh, that's all right. Yeah. Went to crack the third one in. And as I hit it on the side of the frying pan, it just exploded in my hand. And this black gunge just went everywhere into the frying pan. Oh. And it was like instant sewage. It was <laughs> terrible, mate. I literally gagged as soon as it happened. Oh, yuck. <laughs> and I just, the only thing I could do was scrape it off into a tray and put the tray outside and quickly soak the frying pan in water. It was so bad. <laughs> the whole oh, house. Shit. Even my wife came in that night. She goes, What's that smell? I can smell something in there. It's, smells a bit off is that the rubbish bin and i went no no i've got a story for you it was it was my lunch <laughs> it was my lunch yeah so luckily i didn't destroy the steak so i got a new frying pan out and i cooked a couple of eggs and they were okay and then that all went well after that but oh my god it was so bad it was like i think if i hadn't taken it out of the fridge when i did i reckon within 24 hours, it would have exploded in the fridge and blown its black guns everywhere. I wonder what it was. Was it like a malformed chicken or something? Oh, I don't know, mate. But it, the was like, it was like a mutant chicken in an egg, but it, it just exploded. Well, I, mean, I just touched it on the side of the frying pan and it just went poof. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you went for a second round, mate. I'm surprised you went put off eggs after that. I was hungry, mate. I was hungry. <laughs> Oh, geez. Okay. Well, well, let's give you a round of applause for your story, mate. It's pretty bad. <laughs> um, right. Okay, so, I, you know how we normally count in the jingle to get the podcast underway? Yes. I've had a really good idea for a, um, a, a new counting. You ready? It goes two, three, four, five, tools down, up the mic. <laughs> <laughs> Should we give that a go? Do you like that? Yeah, you can try it, yeah. If you remember, it, go. Two, three, four, five, tools down, up the mic. A trendy guy, a radio guy, two best mates chatting on the fly. We're musos, we're dads, we're completely the same. We'll yarn about anything, it's all fair game. One hits nails, and one nails hits. We'll review good beers, and just shoot the sh- we're R&B and Andy G And this is Tradio, Tradio So yeah, kia ora to our Tradio podcast listeners all over the world We've got the USA, the Canada, UK, Australia, New Zealand, Romania Who did join the party last week we, we've, uh, For the first time, mate, we've got no, no new countries to add this week Which is okay, but we've got lots of new listeners to add to that So thank that's you to good. everyone that's, that's joining good. us So cool it's quite nice to see yeah. the numbers going up quite dramatically in the USA. And when I say dramatically, I mean like way more than New Zealand, which was leading the charge oh, yeah. at the start. Good old Americans, eh? They love the yeah. radio. They seem to. Yeah. So we'll, we'll take it. Thank you very much. I hope they can understand us with our Kiwi accents from North Holland. But from North Holland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think we, we we talk slow enough for them to understand. Hey, when I was in America, it was quite funny. Like Americans are actually, they're good buggers, but the way they speak in their accent is quite strong in a lot of places, eh? And, it, and you know, being a Kiwi, I guess you're sort of like, what? <laughs> a lot of Texans 
can be a bit like that. I've got a good friend who's a Texan, and yeah, you have to listen very carefully when she talks because she kind of yeah. talks like this, you know, and it kind of gets a little bit quicker. And then I got to talk a little bit about my friends and my family and all kind of stuff about America. And you know, you got to get it. You know, so, whoa, <laughs> slow down. Faster, 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 faster. Was out and about in the city actually, and we got a couple of COVID cases confirmed in Christchurch now, and the, well, the locations of interest where these particular cases have visited are actually about 10 minutes away from where I live. And dun, dr- dun, dun. Dun, dun. That's a sound that's a sound effect I need on my button. Um, yeah. Hey, I said that to my wife the other night. I said every time they announce a new case in New Zealand, I reckon we should have a little thing that just comes over the TV and goes dun dun dun. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's Ashley Bloomfield with the latest numbers. Tena Koto. Today, we have 10 new cases. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> but anyway, I uh, went into one particular store, and of course, you've got to wear masks when you go inside now uh, to wherever you go. And this one guy, he took off his mask to sneeze and cough and then put it back on. <laughs> Seriously? Seriously. What I've written here, these are my very words. What the actual fuck? (laughs) (laughs) I just watched them. Sneeze into it? Wouldn't that just be easier? Just just like hold your mask and just blow your blow your snotty load into that. You'd think so. (laughs) I have sneezed in my mask a couple of times and it's not pleasant, but you've actually got to deal with it, right? The whole point. Just lick it off the inside when you're done. You just Yeah. Oh, that was oh, that was my wheat bix this morning. <laughs> um, but yeah, he took off his mask to sneeze and cough, and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Really, uh, it's just the whole point of those masks is to stop that kind of thing from spreading. Imagine if he had COVID; everyone would have it now because he decided yeah, his yeah, mask pretty bad. Yeah, just nuts. I was thinking originally, I was like, oh, I was glad I don't live in Auckland. Now I'm like, oh, glad I don't live in Christchurch. My wife and <laughs> kids and I obviously been up to visit you guys two weeks ago. Yeah, and on our way back down, we flew out of Tauranga just at the top of the north, in the central North Island. And that we were quite surprised to see a lot of flights coming from Auckland landing in Tauranga. And then when we got to Christchurch, there were flights that were coming from Auckland to Christchurch that were still allowed to come in. And we, we just thought, well, why are they didn't allowing they, that? Didn't they say these people flew from like Auckland to Christchurch? They did. Because one of them had got from like, Christchurch. Hang on a minute. You can't get out in the car. How come you can get out in a plane? <laughs> <laughs> but they literally, these people are from Christchurch. They flew up to one, well, one of them actually, I think it was, flew up to Auckland to provide five days of childcare, like there's no fucking babysitters in Auckland. For, for, <laughs> you know, and then they've come back with the virus. But the thing is, though, is they, they, apparently they do have to do a test that needs to show negative before they actually fly out of Auckland. Half the shit seems pointless. Though. They say you can have the test, but. You might not show symptoms of the virus at the time. And also, if you get vaccinated, you can still catch the virus, even if you double vaccinate. It's like, what the fuck is the point? <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently you don't get it as bad. But the thing is, yeah, you still get it. The thing is, I think yeah. if, you, if you get a test to fly out of Auckland, for instance, you need to wait another week and get another test done. Because this is what happens is how viruses spread. But to go up there and just provide five days of childcare, I'm like, seriously? Okay, maybe you're doing a favour for family, but surely there's other people up there that can babysit, right? It must be quite funny, though. Some places must be pretty relaxed about it because I've been into a few shops in the last couple of days, and I even went into one today, and I walked in and had a a sign on the front, so I'm guilty of it. One of them, I went in and it had a sign on the front and said, no mask, no entry, and I went, went through my pocket and I was like, shit. This is over at Cook's Beach. And I was like, I didn't have my bloody mask in my pocket. So I poked my head in the door and I said to the guy, 
Sorry, mate, I just need a couple of bolts, but I forgot my mask. It's in my truck down the road. You know, can you just grab me? And he goes, no, nah, don't worry about it. Come in, mate. <laughs> oh, did he? <laughs> You'll be right. Don't worry about oh. it. Come in. Did all the stuff. Did you hold and, your breath? Uh, hang on a minute. I thought this was compulsory. <laughs> yeah, it's it's messy. It's messy. There's there's so many grey areas, eh? It's like, where do you yeah. begin? Where do you begin? Now, yeah. episode two, we had a catch up with a guy called Chris Birch, who is a, um, a massive uh, motorcycle enthusiast. He's, um, he's quite big on the motorcycle scene. You can uh, check him out, Chris Birch, online. Just Google him and you'll find him. A uh, good friend of yours, Oren, and you and him go way back on the dirt biking scene. Do you recall this moment here where we asked Chris about his stolen gear from episode two? Did you ever, ever recover any of your gear when it was nicked from you in Palmerston North? Uh, no. Uh, someone saw a dude on a scooter fanging down the main street smoking a durry <laughs> with my helmet on. Okay. <laughs> Which the main concern there for me is that people might think I'm riding a scooter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, no, I, I didn't really expect to get any of it back, and you know, you, you don't want it back either. Well, the story of the week this week, Oren, as you would have just heard in episode two, that we asked him if he'd ever found his gear. Well, strangely, someone's come forward and actually spotted one of his jackets that was stolen in Palmerston North on Trade Me. I did see that. I saw it pop up on Facebook the other night. I thought, that's a bit cheeky. <laughs> Someone trying to sell off, and it's even got say no to slow. Written on it, you can see yeah. it clear as day. That's right? his. That's his slogan for a particular campaign that he's running. Yeah. So, uh, and the thing is, I, I commented on that, and apparently he'd been in touch with Trade Me and said, "This is not. This is mine. This is stolen. Take it off." And they did. But I commented on his page and I said, "Chris, what you should have done was just bidded an exorbitant amount of money on the on the auction, which would guarantee you'd win <laughs> it, and then get the police to pick it up." Yeah. Yeah. Why not? He never he never replied to that though, but I just thought I would have done that. I would have honestly done that personally. But look, he did what he thought was right. He got it taken off. Um, he doesn't want his stuff back though. You know, he doesn't care for it. Yeah, but I think the when that happened, I I asked I asked my wife the other day because I actually didn't know a lot about it, and I uh, asked. I said, "Did he actually end up getting his bike stolen?" And I think she said he did. I don't know. I'll have to ask him. But someone said oh, they stole his, his riding gear in one of his bikes or his bike or something out of the. Out oh, of I didn't realise he'd lost a bike. Don't don't take my word for it. But I'll just have to uh, ask him. Yeah, well, I, I hope that finding his stolen because someone pointed it out to him, which is great. You know, having hundred and seventy two thousand followers like he does, someone's bound to see something. So I think it's great that they came forward. And you know, Chris did what he had to do to get it taken offline. Hopefully, it led to uh, someone getting in a bit of trouble for it. But, uh, <laughs> so it just goes to show the level of intelligence of the people that stole that gear. Eh? Oh, I'm going to steal some stuff and make it obvious on trade me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking idiot. That's right. <laughs> My old man used to always say to me, "There's nothing worse than an intelligent criminal." <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> they might actually get away with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is it, right? Because Everyone that's in prison at the moment are obviously no good at being naughty, are they? No, that's right. <laughs> now, obviously, coming up a bit later on in this podcast, um, we're going to be talking about the original jingle. And you know how I've mentioned that I had to cut out three lines from the original jingle for the podcast? Well, I'm going to actually reveal what those three missing lines are. And I don't even know if you've heard it either, have you? No, I, I haven't heard them. I see on the... Uh... On your little bit of paper there, there's uh, the hidden lines, the secret three that never made it. 
Exactly. Yeah. So that's coming up very shortly. Uh, also the dad joke as well. But first, though, we're just going to do something on a bit more of a serious note. We have covered mental health and depression, et cetera, et cetera, um, in the past when we've been, you know, talking on the podcast, et cetera, because you've been through it before. So what I did recently is a colleague of mine at the um, Volunteer Fire Brigade that I'm a member of, he actually um, asked me if I could come and talk to him and some of his colleagues recently at a business called Fulton Hogan. Now, Fulton Hogan, they deal in uh, obviously fixing up roads and drainage, et cetera, et cetera, and they do a good job, but they obviously face a lot of stresses, and especially coming into summer as well, they see a lot of incidents on the roads when holiday makers are uh, hitting the roads and not driving properly, and a lot of them have seen some horrible stuff that they need to deal with mentally, and what they did is they asked me to go along because I see a lot of these things on a week-to-week basis, if you like, as a volunteer firefighter, you know, like serious car accidents and medical call-outs, et cetera, et cetera. And what I wanted to do, actually, was just share how I deal with some of the things I see once I get home. And I know this podcast is all about uh, entertaining and having a bit of fun, but sometimes when it comes to the mental health side of things, as you know, Warren, you, you know, you do, it's a serious issue. That's right, it is. Very serious. Exactly. So unfortunately, look, we see some things that we'd never wish on anyone and it does play on the mind and it can affect you quite noticeably when you don't know how to deal with it. I mean, the different types of stress, there's physical stress, which is headaches and tiredness and increased sickness and sleep problems. And then emotional stress is increased anxiety and irritability. Then you've got behavioral stresses, which is lack of interest in things. And then you've got your on the job stresses too, which is change in performance. And this doesn't all just relate to firefighters or anything like that. This is stuff that can be used for day-to-day stresses at work. Just unfortunately, when it comes to roads, there's uh, the Fulton Hogan crew do a fantastic job on our roads, but there are a few people who don't know how to drive on them. They don't know how to... <laughs> New Zealand's know. pretty good at that. Not going to get too graphic, but I'll share some stories from my five years service as a firefighter so far. Uh, there was a car accident with a guy and his partner who are on holiday in the Coromandel Peninsula. And um, you'd be familiar with Oronga Corner, which is not far away from where you are. Yep. Yes. It's um, a pretty uh, pretty sort of well-known corner for all the locals and everyone yeah. around here. So it's a major T intersection. So a relatively smaller road merges onto a uh, highway. Anyway, a, a guy and his partner on holiday, they approach this T intersection coming off the minor road, wanting to pull onto the major road. And what the guy driving did is he pulled straight in front of a truck. His partner didn't make it. She didn't make it. She was alive when we got there. But unfortunately, she died, I think, about five or six days later. He was fine, though. But the thing is, is that we had to witness that. And, you know, with the thought in mind that 20 minutes earlier, they were on the holiday of a lifetime and enjoying the open road in the great weather because it was a beautiful day. And, of course, they're in the Coromandel Peninsula as well, which is such a beautiful spot. Um a girl on the same stretch of road who decided to send a text message. She crossed the oh, centre line. I I was, the funny thing is, you're just bringing that one up. I was actually driving through that piece of road yesterday, and I was just thinking to myself, I, I thought there was a bad accident here only a little while ago with a girl who was yeah, sending a text message or something, and something went horribly wrong. I couldn't remember exactly what it was, but just something about driving along that piece of road reminded me of it. You know, Yeah, and it's a straight piece of road too. It's a slight, yeah, it's a slight bend, but it's a bend that you can still do at 100Ks an hour. But the problem is, is that she decided to text, veered it across the centre line and head on into another driver. She killed him. And, of course, you know, we had to deal with that as well. And it just goes to show, like, honestly, if someone texts you or rings you when you're driving, don't answer it. 
it can wait. Yep. Yeah. I'll tell you what, mate. I I think I might have mentioned this when we talked about this originally, but I I'm on the road a lot more with my new job, with my business mm. I run now. I'm I'm out and about. I'm all over the place all the time. And I do a lot of Ks and I really take notice of what people are doing on the roads now. And I'll tell you what, I'm still amazed to this day, even after the incidences that we have, the pressure from the police, the car crashes and the information on TV, the amount of people that are still talking on cell phones, or you can obviously see that they're sending a text message while driving. I, I think I told you about the guy that in front of me, drifted across, I pulled out of my industry, and drifted across the road to the left-hand side, went into the grass, and then corrected, went sideways up the road, shot across the other side of the road, completely missed, luckily corrected, and there was nothing coming, managed to straighten it up, got back on his side of the road and, and carried on. But he was sending a text message at the time, and he took his eyes off the road, drifted off enough to the left-hand side and ended up in the grass, which was enough to throw him right off. And that, if there was a car coming the other way, that would have been a head-on, possibly a fatal head-on, because it was a fast piece of road. And you think, what are these people thinking? Why? Why is well, they're not thinking. Facebook or Spotify or a text message or whatever it is? Why is it so important that you can't put your phone down and get home to your family? Yeah, get home to your friends. Do the right thing. You know. Well, that's it. I, I mean, hate to say, and that's that's why I'm so supportive of what you guys do, mate. I take my hat off to you, you volunteer guys, because. The work you do and the things you see and have to put up with is incredible, mate. And that's why I've always been there for you. You know, when you've had a few bad days, you come out of beer with me and talked about it. And you've got to be, you've got to do it. You've got to get it out. You've got to talk to people about it. And, you know, it's that text message ain't worth it. Get home to your family. Absolutely, yeah. And I see a lot of 18-wheeler truck drivers in Christchurch on their cell phones all the time. I see it on a daily basis. I just cannot believe what I'm seeing. And they're driving Um, a truck that's, what, 45 tonne? Dude. Loaded or something? It's unbelievable. And I've seen them occasionally turning massive corners at intersections when with one hand up to their ear. I'm like, dude, seriously. It's one of those situations where where the fuck is a police officer when you need them? You know, <laughs> I, I want them to <laughs> yeah. see that. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So another, they another always ca- pull you over when you don't want them to, but when you need them, they're not there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is it. But anyway, um, another couple of stories I'll share. I mean, I'll, I won't keep going on, but I'll get to the point of this whole thing in just a second. Uh, there was another Another one with a guy who decided uh, to drive drugged and he ended up coming just into Thames and actually ended up head-oning with a couple who had been out for dinner in Tairua. They were a couple that, from Tūrua. That same piece of road, most of those incidents you're talking about are on that same piece of road and believe it or not, I knew those those people that were in that car, that elderly, elderly couple, where one of my good mates, it was his wife's parents. Well, the ironic so, thing is, is um, the three incidents that I've just mentioned, including that one, within one kilometre of each other. It's just, it's it's a nice piece of road. It's just the people don't know how to use it. But this dude was drugged. He killed this couple by heading on and head oning them. But the thing that stuck with me the most was uh, not seeing the scene itself, but it was once the cars had been cut open. The couple that had passed away, we'd ascertained that they were dead, so they were still sitting in their car, but the car was covered over. Uh, the dude who was driving the ute, he died as well. But the thing is, is like once the ambos had gone, it was just us and the police on this busy highway, which is no longer busy now because it's shut. It's like 9 o'clock at night. It's pitch black. There's no street lights there. And it was just the most eerie existence. The, the area was just lit up by one single floodlight from our fire truck. And just that the wind was not blowing, there wasn't a sound to be heard. 
and we were standing at this crash scene with these two cars with three dead people between them. And that's the thing that sort of really stuck out for me on that particular one. It was just such an eerie, eerie feeling. Those sort of incidences are the ones you need to learn to deal with, you know, to debrief with your with your, your colleagues and to, and to learn to deal with. And it's it's not an easy thing to do. No. And I'll tell you what, mate, that's why I've, I've always thought about being a volunteer fire brigade person or, or, an, or an AMBO or some of that, but I'm asked my wife, I'm terrible with blood and I've, I'm, and I'm not good. Like I'm good at stressful situations. Like I've been a pilot and I've flown planes and had to deal with, you know, engine, engine failures and, um, and you know, small incidences like that, where you've got to be for, forced landings, uh, downwind landings, things like that. So you got to think under pressure and quick, you know, mm. but it's different. I think when there's people involved, then it becomes a whole a whole nother level and you become a you gotta be a whole different person to deal with that sort of thing. Absolutely. I mean I've worked with yeah. firefighters who don't like blood and that's that's human. And the thing is, is that there is discretion amongst the brigade, right? So when there's people, when we go into a call out, if someone there knows that there's blood involved, they can be tasked to do something else, which means they won't be involved in the blood side of things. So yeah. it's a good little system. Uh, two other things I'll make them quick. Giving CPR for the first time, that was a massive thing. And that was actually on my own father. Saved oh, his, I remember you telling me about that. Yeah. yeah saved his life, but... Uh, it was still a, not a very nice thing to have to do. And another one was a house fire with children still inside when we got there. Luckily, the kids, we, they, they survived. But the thing is that got me the most about that is that could have been my kids, you know, because I, I just yeah. thought, well, if that was my house, that could have been my kids. Imagine it. So it does pay to have a plan, plan with your family, your escape route. And remember, of course, if the house is on fire, make sure you've got smoke alarms, et cetera, et cetera, and get down, get low, get out fast. But anyway... Some of the processes is to surround yourself with good people, right? So as you said, you know, I could go and have a chat with you and and vice versa, you'd come and chat to me if you'd had a shit day as well. My wife is massive for that. You know, I I always talk to her about stuff if I have a crap day. And I do appreciate you lending me a pair of ears, mate. I really do. You know, never be afraid to open up and talk to those around you. You know, like I said to these Fulton Hogan road crew folk, they're like one big whanau. You know, I'm surely they're all pretty close. I mean, we do within the fire brigade as well. We debrief in the back of the truck. We talk to our officers. And there's an internal system within Fire and Emergency New Zealand as well with trained counsellors. Um, and most businesses these days do have that access for their teams as well. It's a good morale booster as well, being able to talk about it. And, of course, you can stay anonymous. And it's back to what you just said about professional counsellors. 1737 in New Zealand is a number you can text and call to talk to someone. And, of course, there is the um, the, the mental health helplines as well. Exercise as well is another good one because it reduces stress hormones. You know, you can work it into your daily routines. Give it, give it the same degree of importance as brushing your teeth and taking a shower. Uh, if you or a shit, or a shit. <laughs> um, but that's that's actually if you brush your teeth or take a shower. Um, yeah. But yeah, you, you're probably bound to take a shit. So be as routine as that. Meditation and yoga. I've tried that. That's not something for me. I just I was sore for days after doing it, and I thought, no thanks. I, um, I can't even touch my toes, mate, so yoga would be no good for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's incredible how well it works. Like, yoga's great for getting a sweat up, but it's just not for me. I'd rather go for a run. Another good thing as well is uh, finding a hobby or sticking one to you already have, sticking to one that you already have. Like, mine's pretty unusual, but it works for me. It's disc golf, going out and playing a bit of disc golf. You know, it's, it's therapeutic. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're out in a beautiful park chucking bits of plastic into um, chain link baskets. It's, it's the well, life. <laughs> going back to the whole being, you know, like talking to someone like a counsellor or someone like that, is my, my wife years ago when we sort of were first dating, she um, came over to visit me in Thames and, you know, had to spend the weekend here. And then it was like a, I think it may have been like a Sunday afternoon or a Monday morning she drove home from Thames. And she was driving across towards Morinsville and there's the railway lines. She was, they were doing roadworks and some work on those, that area of the lines at the time. And she went up behind a car and the car in front of her mustn't have heard the bells ringing for the train coming. Oh, yeah. And because of the roller, and there was a big steamroller working in the truck park on the side of the road and the digger there and stuff and mustn't have heard it. But anyway, this car took off in front of her and Aaron thought, oh, what's this blooming thing doing? And as he got to the railway lines, the big express train came through and smashed the front of the car and literally sheared the entire front of the car off right back to the firewall at the windshield. Bloody hell. Took the whole front of the car off and literally left the car just sitting there on the railway lines. And anyway, the story is, yeah, it took it off. The guy wasn't injured. He had a little cut on his arm. He was okay, luckily, and everything was okay. The train stopped. Everything went well. I think it was like that night or the next morning, she gets a phone call from people that do the counselling. Victim support? Yeah, that's the one. Victim support. And they rang her and they were like, you know, how are you doing? Are you okay? You know, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I just saw the front of a car get smashed off by a train. How do you think I'm feeling? Well, that's the thing. It's a different, it's a different thing watching it on a video than actually witnessing it in real time, yeah, eh? Yeah. Just thinking what it could have been. Do you know what gets me actually when we when we when we go to um, thinking of that particular scenario? Is why do cars or buses or trucks always seem to break down on the lines? Why is that such a place to break down? I don't get it. I, I have why? to agree with you. I haven't why, even got an answer on, for that, but it seems very lines? common. Yeah. yeah, I don't get and it. I, the thing is, she mustn't have wanted to come over because she about probably, oh, it must have been three or four weeks later, she was she came over to see me and was driving home and it was pouring down with rain and there was like this big like Ford Falcon in front of her with a big like massive wide two, four, five wide tires or whatever they are on the front net, you know, rah, rah. Anyway, big puddles on the road and those big wide tires are no good in the puddles. And Erin was driving along, la 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 la, the car in front of her just went hydroplaning across the water in front of her and straight into the ditch. <laughs> oh, far out. Rings me up when she gets back and says, oh, I just what's another car. I'm like, oh, my God, you won't even want to come over and see me anymore. Every time yeah. you come over, you involved don't, in a car accident. Don't, don't go traveling with Erin. That's, the, uh, yeah, that's yeah. the story here. And the funny thing is that's not even including the cars she's crashed. <laughs> oh, my when God. When she was, when she was younger. Oh, this is, oh, she probably won't like me saying this. Do, do you want to do this, Oren? Think carefully. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> she was driving along she had a little i think it was a ford station uh, hatchback thing that she had anyway she was driving along and she was going to do like a little internship thing at a school yeah and she had a container full of those like water snails to go in like a goldfish bowl <laughs> on the seat next yeah, to her. Yeah. she went yeah. around a corner and they fell off the seat and spilt on the floor so instead of waiting <laughs> until stopping or something she reached over to pick them up off the floor and pulled the steering wheel over and went yeah and splat into the drain <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Was the drain wet? Because the snails would have been in heaven. Yeah, I don't know. I think she uh, made a mess of the car. But then, yeah, that's only one of them. <laughs> that's, a similar, that's a similar thing to like when the Titanic sank. What did the lobsters in the kitchen feel like? <laughs> yeah, 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 like, like Woo-hoo! Freedom! 
Um, <laughs> just something else that sort of cropped up then is when it comes to like witnessing those train crashes, etc., that you see on videos or, you know, like your wife's personally seen. Just imagine what the driver must be going through, seeing this car or obstacle in their way, knowing they can't stop. What the hell is going to happen? In fact, I saw one video yesterday where a train driver was just going slow enough to jump out of the train before it uh, almost rear-ended another train. Really? He'd he'd slammed the brakes on, but it was going slow enough. So he he was able to jump out. He rolled a little bit because he still had a bit of momentum. (laughs) Luckily, (laughs) Luckily, the brakes did their thing and stopped his train feet from where this other train was stopped in front of him. It's just Have crazy. you seen that bit of film footage? Have you seen the one with that red, it's a red truck with a massive big long trailer on it and you see the, the, the little arms starting to come down and he goes, so he must be like, I'm just, I'll get across. I'll and make he just this. Pulls across and he gets about quarter of the way across and sort of gets half stuck and then he doesn't know whether to back up or carry on oh, trying yeah. to go. And what a situation. Like, yeah, the train comes through and goes boom and smokes him and the whole cab of the truck lifts up and does a 180 in the air, lands on the side of the road beside where the truck used to be. There's nothing left of the truck. The whole chassis, trailer, everything's gone with the train. The only thing remaining is the cab where the guy was sitting, lands on the road, and the guy opens the door and steps out of the damn cab. Have you seen that? Wow, no, I haven't seen that one. And he walks away from it. He hops out of the cab and walks away, and he's like looking around like, what the hell just happened? 10-4, rubber ducky. Looks like we just destroyed our convoy. Yeah, where the (laughs) hell did my cross go, boy? Yeah, (laughs) but anyway, so just to wrap up what I was saying, when it comes to, you know, negating stress and getting rid of those negative stress symptoms, just visualize the outcome you want. You know, just say this will look great when it's done. Stick with routines and plans. Just make sure you prepare. Positive talk as well. There's nothing wrong with praising yourself and practicing positivity. You know, I'm good at this job. There's a reason why I'm here because I can do it. Develop refocusing strategies. And you've probably heard this one as well as just stepping back for 10 seconds, taking some deep breaths and going back into it. You know, and I've had, I've been in a situation like that. And sometimes, you know, when the adrenaline's running through your brain, you don't think about these things straight away. Or if someone sends you a text message that really pisses you off and you want to go and tell them to fuck themselves, well, actually do step away. <laughs> <laughs> for 10 seconds and take a few deep breaths and honestly it works wonders so look there's there's going to be something out there to help everyone manage stress-related incidents and the main thing is as we said talk about it let's normalize bringing it up and i wrote this line and i'm proud of this it's put your pride to the side and be vulnerable i'm no psychiatrist but i do hope that some of my routines and processes may come in handy whenever you find yourself in a situation where you need to discuss something that's on your mind Thanks, everyone, and enjoy the rest of your afternoon. I'm Andy G. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thanks, mate. That was bloody lovely. Oh, hang on, hang on. I've just forgotten to add one piece into that. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Crowd goes wild. Crowd goes wild. It's my crowd cheering button. Oh, no, please. Dude, stop. Stop, guys. But yeah, so that's just something I I, I spoke to those um, Fulton Hogan crews about and just different processes and how to get through stress. And it's not just for firefighting, but it's to help you get through workplace-related stresses as well. It's not just related to us either. Like you and I are sort of middle-aged men now. Oh, jeez. Families. Yeah, I think a lot of it is actually, you know, younger people as well, sort of in their sort of late teens, even early 20s, they uh, probably have a lot of external stresses that are causing a lot of problems and you know, I think one of the biggest problems we have worldwide, even here in New Zealand, especially with young men, is just, you know, no one talks about anything. 
it's the old harden up attitude. But yeah, too proud. I think yeah, we've got to put that aside and just, you know, get on with things and do the right thing. Just a hello, how you doing? It's enough to do it. Yeah. The Melbourne Cup was on and oh, yeah, yeah. it was, that. yeah, Melbourne Cup. And I, I thought, you know what, I'm not a gambling man, but I, I heard on the radio that number two, uh, horse number two, which was the favourite, uh, what's it called? Incentivize was the name of the uh, favourite for the Melbourne Cup. Uh, it came in second place, and I actually put $20 down for a place. And um, I just had a go, put 20 bucks in, thought, what the hell? And, uh, yeah, yeah I, I won I won $40. <laughs> Not much. You doubled but your money. I doubled Woo-hoo, my double money. Double or nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was it was won by a horse called Very Elegant. Um, but, yeah, Incentivize came second, so I was happy just putting a bit of, uh, bit of money on a place, and that's exactly how it happened. So... I'm glad with that. Now I'm going to go and delete my account with the TAB because I don't need it anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could just do one bit a year, eh? Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, well, Aaron put five dollars down. They had a uh, a school sweepstake going. I think I think it was two dollars or five dollars. But as per usual, Aaron gets the shitty horse that comes in like last. <laughs> <laughs> so she didn't get anything. Yeah, someone always walks away with a fifty, sixty bucks, eh? Yeah, yeah, I can't remember who one of the one of the fee, one of the lady teachers there. She won it. She Gotta happy. love it. <laughs> but yeah, I tried. I tried to withdraw the forty bucks because, like, I might as well just take it out of the TAB account now and put it straight in my account. And it said to me, "You're not allowed to withdraw this." Because I thought, "All oh, right, is that how you do it?" Is how how, how the you fuck do, do you get your winnings in of it? Well, you do. You put your account details in, and it should just pay them into your bank. But maybe, maybe it just wasn't ready to do it. But I just thought, hang on, is, is that a is that them just saying, oh, no, you can't do this because we want you to keep your money in your TAB account so you can go spend it with us again? Just leave it there till next um, next year's Melbourne Cup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. I'll put $40 down on a place and then probably lose the lot. <laughs> well, you double it and you end up with 80 and you'd be like, Yoo! yeah. You'd leave that in there and put that on again the next year. <laughs> yeah, or I could take a punt and go for the win, go for a win on yeah, the favourite. Yeah. <laughs> I had, a, I had a mate, we went out I went to the horse races. They used to have them down here at Thames. They used to have them every, mm. like the 4th of January or something, every year. And I remember going down there with a couple of mates one year, and they, were, they weren't big gamblers, but they were mad keen on the horses. And they'd always do heaps of research before going down to this. And now uh, they had all the books there with all who, what horses were what and what breeding they were and all that sort of stuff. And they actually said to us a couple of times, don't put your money on this horse for this race, rah, 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 because we put money down. And uh, I actually went in there with about 20 bucks to spend on betting, and I walked out of there with about $85. I could still remember it. Oh, yeah. And, uh, it was only because I had no idea what I was doing. It was my mate who recommended the horses. So, <laughs> and he walked out of there with about 500 bucks or something. So, oh, that's all good, eh? Yeah. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it, though. I wouldn't know what I was doing. I would just lose all my money. <laughs> well, same, bro. Like, I went onto the TAB website and just, just set up an account solely so I could just flip 20 bucks on the favorite. And I just don't fucking understand it. <laughs> they make it confusing, eh? Yeah, I just don't understand it. Well, it's just so messy. But my yeah. my favourite part about horse ri- horse racing is the uh, is the guy that's doing the commentating. Bang, oh, bang, yeah. bang, 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 down the bank, bang, 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 bang. Yeah, <laughs> that guy. <laughs> it's it's a, it's an interesting style, isn't it? You'd have to know the horses fluently, eh? Well, that's it. And these guys, as far as I know, are looking through a pair of binoculars. So they're literally looking at the numbers of the horses and they know the name of the horse that equates to that number. It's just I, insane. Uh, I like some of the names they come up with. They're like hoof-hearted. And- <laughs> <laughs> hoof-hearted. <laughs> hoof-hearted. Yeah. yeah. 
I didn't know who farted just coming up the inside furlong now. It wasn't me who farted. <laughs> <laughs> Very elegant coming up now with incentivized following close by four lengths. Spanish mission just behind 4.4 lengths. It's, I've got a couple of friends who do that and they have it down. Yeah? Yeah. They have it down. It's quite impressive. But anyway, just imagine if the commentator has actually put a bet on the winner and the winner's coming in. <laughs> imagine it's a baby. You know, and number two is coming to the finish line. And oh my fucking God, hang on. Let me look at my number for a minute. Holy shit, I just won $1,000. Fantastic. Holy fuck, I'm out of here. Bye. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I don't think I've ever put any money on the Melbourne Cup. I might have put like $2 down on a sweepstake or something like that at work once. Mm. But yeah, I've never seen the – my favourite part of it would be to go there and, you know, you see on all the um, – I have it here in New Zealand. They have all the big corporate tents in there. Eh? And everyone gets all dressed up and go and get on the booze. And yeah. that would be that'd be more fun. That would be freaking awesome. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. I mean, a lot of people do glam events like that just at their offices or they hire out a venue and do it eh, if they can't get to the actual races. Yeah. All right, so the original Tradio Dringle, you know how I was talking about I removed three lines from it that I didn't think needed to be in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I've got this new fandangled um, app on my phone now, which is like a button bar, so I can literally just press a button and it plays a audio clip that I've assigned to it, which I think is quite cool. Like our dad joke segment that's coming up shortly. Dad jokes are bad jokes. Yeah, so that's coming up very soon. Um, <laughs> I love that jingle. Yeah. <laughs> coming that's up very great. soon. Coming up very soon as well. And in a future episode, we'll get the kids back together to do this. Small talk. <laughs> anyway, have a listen to this. So here is the Tradio jingle, the original one that I put together. I mean, this is just me. This is before I'd sent it to you to get you to add your voice and um, before I got you to add your instruments as well. Uh, so this is the, the rough mix. I'll play the whole thing because then you'll get a better idea of it. Here we go. A tradie guy, a radio guy, two best mates chatting on the fly. We're musos, we're dads, we're completely the same. We'll yarn about anything, it's all fair game. One hits nails and one nails hits. We're a few good beers and talk some sh. We're separated by 1,000 Ks But never mind, we'll do it this way This podcast needs a name, what do we call the show? We're Andy G and Oren B And this is Tradio, Tradio What's that? Yeah, I've never heard. I've never heard that. It was good, mate. Yeah, so there's quite a few. Like, it's a lot different, isn't it? Because that was like the original concept. I definitely like the version we finished with. Absolutely. Uh, like your, what was it? Your missus said that it was a bit long or something. She she told you to cut a couple of lines out. Yeah, well, she listened to it, and I did say to her, "Look, those those bits where I say, you know, we're a thousand k's apart, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Do we really need that in there? Because you and I will talk about this in the yeah. podcast and explain the whole thing anyway." The jingle will just help sort of introduce us and who we are and what we're about. And she said, yeah, you know, I think get rid of that stuff. So I did get rid of those, rewrite the whole thing, change the key. And that was sort of the rough, yeah, the rough mix down. But um, what we came up with, I definitely agree, is a lot better. It sounds more jingly, but that one just had too much in it. I think I still reckon. I still reckon what you just said a minute ago would have uh, been quite good, eh? We're musos, we're dads, we're completely insane. insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been a good piece to put in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man, 
Actually, what I reckon though is if we if we ever sort of get in the mood for it, we should completely redo the jingle just for a laugh. You know, not not forever, yeah. but just yeah. rewrite it uh, just for a bit of a bit of a feature in the, in one particular episode. I think it'd be quite fun. Here's something for you, Oren. Um, so, 2021, about two or three weeks ago, I was looking through an old hard drive of mine, and obviously, I'd backed up a lot of stuff that I've done over the years and it's quite it's quite funny to listen back to some of it but I found from 11 years ago my first ever podcast yeah which didn't really <laughs> yeah it didn't really amount to much I mean it went on I didn't, think, I didn't think they even I didn't think they even existed back then <laughs> well they did they did actually exist back then but they weren't sort of a major prominent thing a few people did them, but no one really knew what they were, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was it was before a lot of radio stations started turning their shows into podcasts as well, because these days you can listen back to any show you've heard on the radio. They've got a podcast somewhere. I don't think there were a lot of places to host your podcasts way back when as well. When I say that, it's only 11 years ago. But I had mine on Facebook, and we were talking about personalised plates uh, just recently. And I thought, oh, well, my first episode was actually about personalised plates that I'd seen uh, in my experience around Rotorua, which is where I was living at the time in the central North Island of New Zealand. And what I did is I took an old personalised plates radio ad and I re-recorded it based on my experiences of seeing these number plates because the, the concept is, you'll hear it in a second, is that this particular ad that used to play on the radio talk, had legit people on there talking about their personalised plates and the story behind them. But I these, those ads. Yeah, but these plates that I particularly saw, I re-recorded that particular ad and just did the voices of the people talk, talk, telling the stories behind the plates, but these are sort of my interpretation of what they actually mean. And it's people saying, oh, yeah, the uh, story behind my plate was that I'm a teacher and, uh, you know, I love teaching people. And I thought I'd get a plate that says taught you, T-A-W-T space U. But when people look at it in their rearview mirror, it says you twat. <laughs> But the thing is, is that that's a legitimate number plate that I saw everywhere in Rotorua. And it was driving behind me one day, like years ago in Rotorua, and it said, you twat in the mirror. It was brilliant. <laughs> so I, I actually spoofed an actual personalised plates ad that was playing on the radio at the time and changed it and did all the voices and did stories and stuff like that. There's another one on that podcast as well. I'll find it in a second for you. It'll be real easy to find. And it was a, I, I was driving down the main street of Rotorua and a black Jeep passed me and its number plate was B-A-A-B-A-A, Baba. And it yeah. took me a little while to click. And I thought, fuck, Baba, black Jeep. <laughs> but yeah, I did, sometimes you got to really think about them, eh? What yeah. the hell does that mean? Well, I looked up that car again, must have been a couple of years ago, and it wasn't a black Jeep anymore, so that kind of took away the whole fun of the plate. So have a listen to this, my first ever podcast. Have a listen. Anyway, the subject of this first ever podcast, my debut. Fantastic. It's uh, personalised plates. Now, if you're not living in New Zealand, personalised car number plates are extremely popular. I mean, everywhere you go, you're bound to see one or ten. You know, they're absolutely everywhere. I see a personalised plate and I get it. Ooh, I get it. A few of them that I've seen around uh, Rotorua, where I live, um, is there's one is a little black Jeep driving around town. And this is a good plate. 
It's a black jeep driving around town, and its number plate was B A A B A A. Baba. Okay, I thought Baba. Maybe he's a farmer. All of a sudden, it clicked. Baba black jeep. I see Baba black jeep, and I get it. Ooh, I get it. <laughs> I mean, only in New Zealand do we ever take the opportunity to talk about sheep whenever we can. Way to go, Kiwis. Let's keep giving the rest of the world the fuel to take the piss out of us, eh? Crikey days. <laughs> well, anyway, here's my example of what the personalised plate ad might sound like for the Bar Bar Black Jeep. People's plates. So, mate, what made you go for Bar Bar on your number plate? Well, I just thought it would be quite good, you know, given that I've got a black Jeep. Put Bar Bar on it, and there you go, Bar Bar Black Jeep. At least that's what people think the uh, plate stands for anyway. It just uh, hides the fact that I think sheep are just beautiful creatures, really. Yeah, Dolly, come here. A personalised plate says so much. It gets better. There's a guy that's been driving around town very recently, okay, and basically I thought this guy was a teacher and I've been seeing this guy driving around for about a year. Just last week, I finally figured out what the hell his number plate really meant. What his number plate says is T-A-W-T space U. T-A-W-T space U. Okay. He must be a teacher. There you go. That's all I thought. Last week, I finally realised what his number plate meant because he was driving behind me last week when I was on my way home for lunch and when I looked in my rearview mirror, his number plate said, You twat! You twat! You twat! Fantastic. Went up a few notches on my list, I tell you. Pretty clever, that, because, you know, not many uh, number plates like that get past the plate manufacturers. They normally pick up on it, you know? This one here. Now there's some plates that people put a bit of thought into and haven't really thought about it properly. Haven't thought about it. Because some of them have double meanings, if you know what I mean. Uh, this one here is the word Morse, then a hyphen, and then the letter X. So this guy likes Morse code because I had to go onto Google to find out what Morse hyphen the letter X was. Google told me that apparently you can turn your computer keyboard into a Morse code keyboard. Morse code. Not that I'm in a Morse code or anything, but I had to find out. And I thought, okay, so the guy likes Morse code. That's what Morse hyphen the letter X means. But does this guy realise from a distance, his number plate makes him look pretty desperate? Morse X. Is he too busy with this Morse code to be getting any? Morse X. I tell you what, mate. I've got a little secret here that might get you a little bit more. Have a listen to this. Decode that, and it might help the drought. You know what I mean? Yes. And one more thing before I go, my mate down in Timaru, James. Well, he couldn't really afford a personalised plate, but he always wanted one. What did he do? He found it cheaper to go and change his name by deed poll. So now his name is EBZ905. Stupid name, EBZ905, but at least now he's got a personalised number plate. Yeah? EBZ905. Good on you, James. Well, that brings to the end my first ever podcast. I hope you did enjoy it. That was, of course, four minutes of your life that you'll never get back. <laughs> Sayonara, goodbye. Farewell. So that was my first ever podcast, just taking the piss out of people's number plates and reinterpreting them. <laughs> and they were legit plates as well. So it was, was that 2005? 2010. 2010. So what we can do, if you like, is drop them into various episodes. And in fact, I've done a special for Christmas. 
So when we do an episode in December, just before Christmas, I've got a great one where I recorded my own Christmas album using some of the greatest songs of all time. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll drop that in at some point yeah. too. So the bar bar number plate has actually been changed now. Last time I checked it, though, it was on a Mazda CX-5, which doesn't, and a red Mazda CX-5, so it's not Barbar Black Jeep anymore, which is really disappointing. Barbar Red Car. <laughs> yeah, Barbar Red Mazda. I always thought about getting a license plate for my Ute, eh? and I was going to call it U-T-E-R-S, <laughs> Uterus. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if that plate's taken. Yeah, yeah, it probably is. Let me, I can check now if you like. That plate's available, mate. Yeah, U-T-E-R-S. It's available. Go get it. I should get it. It'd be on my truck. <laughs> I think the, one of my favourite ones in that was uh, a friend of mine, James in Timaru, who couldn't afford a personalised plate, so he changed his name to EBZ309 or whatever I said. That was like, <laughs> <laughs> that was like the perfect dad joke, which means... We have to go into this now, which is... Dad jokes are bad jokes, but actually they're good jokes because we're dads. Yeehaw! Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, I still love that jingle. Oh, it is good, eh? Oh, I like it, mate. And uh, well done for writing the chords on there, if I must say so myself. So the dad joke off, obviously what we do is we read five jokes each. And um, uh, the, the idea is not to, well, is to try and make the other person laugh for a point. If they do, you get a point. If you don't, well, you don't get a point. And that's basically it. But the thing is, so we, keep, we keep going even on it. We keep telling jokes that we laugh at. So really, it's more for the entertainment value, really, isn't it? I think this week, you should go first. You want me to go first? I, t- I tend to be the one who goes first, I think, <laughs> the last couple of, if I remember rightly from the last couple of these. Oh, uh, yeah. I've got, uh, I've got some new ones here. I've, uh, I've done a bit of research into my dad jokes. <laughs> I'm uh, hoping, I'm hoping that we can get a laugh for our listeners out there this week. Okay. <laughs> All right. So the first dad joke, here we go. It's been awesome. fucking terrible lately, eh, to be honest. Well, see, <laughs> the more, but the thing is, though, the more terrible, the better. Yeah. Fair enough. The shitter they are, the funnier they are. That's that's the whole point of a dad joke. All right, here you go. First one. Why don't pirates shower before walking the plank? I think I've got you on this one. Have you? Because they'll just wash up on shore later. Fuck you. I've got one. Fuck you. I got him on one. (laughs) Did you legit just read that one or something or... No, no, it's one of the ones I had ages ago and I was just looking through my old list and I just yeah. happened to glance at it as you literally, as you read it, I just glanced at it. And I, I, was lo- like- I saw you looking. <laughs> I saw you reading something and I was like, has he got that one? I was just looking at it. I was, yeah, I got him on that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, air used to be free at gas stations. Now it's a dollar fifty. You know why? Inflation. Oh. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. That's like my that's like my balloon joke in the last one. You didn't get a laugh out of me, so you can fucking lose that one. <laughs> a limbo player walks into a bar. He lost. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> Why is it a bad idea to iron your four leaf clover? Um I know I don't know. I kind of think I know, but I don't. <sighs> You shouldn't press your luck, mate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't know that one. What has four wheels and flies? A car going off a cliff? A rubbish truck. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ding. What concert costs 45 cents? Oh, hang on. I know this one. <laughs> is it, oh, this is like 50 cent on discount or something, eh? Is it? No. Um, 
It's, you're close. You're close. Oh, two dimes, no go. It's 50 Cent featuring Nickelback. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's good. What did Yoda say when he saw himself in high definition? HDMI. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Did you hear about the restaurant on the moon? No. Great food, no atmosphere. <laughs> My kid got me a box of rocks as a gift. (laughs) This is already funny. (laughs) It's not my favourite gift ever, but I appreciate the sediment. (laughs) (laughs) All right, what's your last one? Last one, okay. <laughs> what happens when you what happens when you go to the bathroom in France? I don't know. European. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Dad jokes are bad jokes, but actually they're good jokes because we're dads. Oh gee, that was fun. I like that. Good job, oh. mate. Good job. Oh man, that's a good day joke off. So look, for the first time we both kind of pipped each other, didn't we? So you know, there was there was one where you didn't get a laugh out of me, and there's one where you actually got mine. So uh, that was a bit of a win, wasn't it? <laughs> it's quite funny because I, I was literally, I like, I'm not joking. I literally looked at that joke as you read it, and then I was like, "What are the chances of that? I'm going to get him here." What is that? Because <laughs> I, I saw you kind of looking over to your left, and I was like, "He's reading something. Like he's got that in front of him." And sure enough, he did. <laughs> All right, mate. So. Let's talk a bit beer now. So you're having a beer at the moment. What are you drinking right now? Um, sorry, just taking a text message. Um, no, that's all right. Don't worry about me. I'll just sit here and watch you fucking text your friends. Yeah, so. fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I got a mixed six from the guy at Cook's Beach at the Hot Water oh, Brewing Oh, right. Oh, okay, so you didn't get one type. You got no. Uh, I just said oh, I'll do a mix six of all your different beers, you know. So right. he just did a mix, one of each sort of type. So he did like an XPA, an IPA, pale ale, a normal ale, a golden lager, and this XPA, this new one they've done. To be honest, they were all really good. I was, okay, I was quite surprised to, like, if we were to view, review, like, literally to review each one individually, you'd have to actually get it and drink it as you're doing it because. They're all like really refreshing beers, really good quality. And I, I guess at the end of the day, we could actually do like a review for this one on on the actual brewing company themselves, not the not the beer, because Holwater Beach Brewing Co. is a small brewery on the east coast of New Zealand, on the east coast of the Coromandel, and they do some beautiful beers. And I think you can buy some of their beers through main outlets, but you, I guess you'll have to hunt around to try to find them. But mm. they do... Um, you know, all your all your main craft beers and a few of your traditional sort of ales and lagers, but and they're really good beers, really good. Well, you so, and I, whenever we go fishing, no matter what part of the Coromandel Peninsula we go fishing from, we actually have a pub that we stop at on the way back from fishing, and we we have a pub <clears> on each side of the peninsula in every direction. And the Hot Water Brewing Co. is our eastern stop on the way back from a fishing trip. And we did stop in there once on the way back. We've, we've been in there multiple times, but there was one particular time we went in there and um, tried this one particular beer, which we ended up then drinking 
pretty much sticking with at your wife's 40th because we had her 40th uh, shindig there, didn't we? And we camped the night there too, us and all of our families. We did. It was the, was that the, that was the red, was it the IPA? I think it was, yeah. I and mean, we did have good fun. That was my wife's 40, 40th and it was a, uh, a really good get-together with family and friends at a uh, Hot Water Brewing Co. And right next to the Hot Water Brewing Co. there's a uh, campsite which is really good. It's got cabins, camping. We camped in our tents. Hey, that was really cool. And we ended up, after that, most people had left after we had dinner and had a few drinks. A lot of people had to go, so they left, and we stayed in the campsite, and we carried on drinking, and we yeah, drank yeah, yeah. the uh, red IPA. We did. And it abs- much of it, we had a damn good night. <laughs> Passed down with rain that night as well. Absolutely, yeah. Passed right. down Pissed with rain. Down. But it's a great spot, such a beautiful spot. And I've got to say, there's a guy there who I think you met today when you popped in there. He, he does all the pizzas. He does the wood-fired pizzas there, but also yeah, yep. deals in a lot of the uh, the liqueurs and the spirits as well that he brews himself or has a part in. And we yeah. bought some limoncello and some Fijoa liqueur from him last time we were in there, my wife and I. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And they because they used to run the... That's right. The Purangi Winery used to be That's part right. of what they do, but they uh, that got taken over by another company and they moved on. But the the stuff they used to brew through the Purangi Winery is now brewed and supplied through the Hot Water Brewing Co. Yeah, and like you say, that limoncello they do, some of the other little boutique wines and things, that is beautiful. It's beautiful stuff. Absolutely. It really is. But look, when it comes to beers in particular, if you don't read the label, I'm useless at actually picking what's in this. Like, <laughs> but on a serious note, like I, I'm, I'm at the moment I'm having a, a Monteith's um, Phoenix IPA. It's one of my favourite ones from them. But the thing is, is I can drink it and it tastes great, but I can't pick what's in it. What are the notes? What are the things that are in it that stands out? But what I think we should do is get a guest on who knows a little bit more about reviewing beer and can probably give us some tips about how to, you know, appreciate it a little bit more for what it actually is. That's right. I mean, we, we're not all experts in the whole thing. Most of us just think that most beers that smell nice are full of, you know, unicorn farts and angel poo. And, yeah, and but- daffodils and blueberries. That's <laughs> <laughs> You get someone on who actually knows what they're talking about and uh, can and tell you exactly. I guess a lot of it comes down to like where they buy their hops from and, and what hops at certain times of the year go into the brew to get it certain flavours. I mean, on a home brewing sense of the same thing, my uncle, he's a uh, pretty mad keen home brewer and he's got one of these big fancy women stainless steel home brewing kits. I, I can't remember what they're called now, but he... Uh, does his own brews and chucks in a lot of like your own hops and your own, I don't know, all the flavors and malts and things that they chuck in. But he reckons the stuff that he gets out of his own home brewing kit is equivalent to what you can buy out of the shops. Now, I guess a lot of these home, these uh, boutique brewing companies now are uh, probably brewing the same sort of beer, you know, that you can, you can yeah. brew yourself if you've got those expensive brewing kits. So. Well, this is a, the, but the expensive brewing kits as well, they have those, uh, you know, the, the, the proper taps as well, which are operated by gas, obviously. But um, I think it's real quite neat because you've, I mean, I've met your uncle a few times. He's a great fisherman too, but he uh, he's told me a little bit about this uh, brew kit that he's got and you just chuck everything into this, into the pan and basically brews away and you can just serve beer straight out of it after what five days i think it is five or six yeah, days it's, it's pretty short term eh? it's like yeah five or ten days and you can just basically as soon as it's finished brewing you just can just turn the tap on on the top and push yeah. straight out of it you don't even have oh. to tap tap it off or do whatever you have to do you just drink it straight out of the brewing 
kit. So yeah, and that's it. This week, uh, this weekend, sorry, I'm actually going to put down a um, a a pale ale, which I've got all the ingredients for. I've done a few in the past, but I'm going to do one this weekend. But thing is, though, it's going to be done the traditional way, so it's going to probably be about six or seven weeks before I actually get right. <laughs> I guess with your brews, mate, you've put down, I remember you putting down a few when you lived up here, and and um, I've never put any down. So this is just coming from an amateur, and I don't know anything about the whole brewing thing. I know everything has to be clean and blah blah blah, and you yeah. put the malts and the stuff. But I think at the end of the day, it's like I think you've had it. You've had some that are like real good. And you oh, go, no, oh, no, shit, I had a good beer that one, yeah. and then you get one that's like, oh my god, this is terrible. You know, like, it's like this one's going in the garden. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> then you get this flowers one's going growing. To the lemon tree. Then yeah. you get lemons and flowers growing sideways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, you so, oranges. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, when you go to when you go to bloody eat an orange, it tastes like. Off beer, yeah. Talking about yeah. Piss, pissed oranges, etc., and um, chucking <laughs> chucking that stuff in the gun. It actually reminds me of that story, and I need you to tell that story again about the washing, you know, the water from the washing at your mum's house when you were younger. You used to chuck it, in, <laughs> chuck it in the garden, but you actually got a bit of a knock right. knock on effect. Right. This story is a is a is a good one because my my old man, he's a, he's a bit of a hard case. He sort of doesn't like to waste money or do anything. But so what he was doing is he used to. He had a system set up where the water would run out of the washing machine, out the window and across. He had a little bit of a mini orchard in the paddock next door. So he had some apple trees and a few orange trees and things. Every day, mum would do the washing and the washing machine would pump the water out and it would go out the window, down this hose and out onto the trees out the back. And I jokingly said to the old man one day, well, half joking, because I actually sort of thought that I could taste the soap suds in the apple that I picked off the tree one day. And I said to my dad, I said, oh, I said, oh, you better stop pumping that water onto the trees. And I said, the apples are going to start tasting like soap suds. And he goes, oh, what are you thinking about? Oh, no, we'll be all right. Now the soil will sort that out, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, anyway, long story short, it was about probably 12, not even 12 months later, I went to my mum and dad's place one day and I noticed the hose wasn't out the laundry window anymore. And I just said to my old man, I said, oh, where's the hose gone out of the window? And he goes, oh, had to stop putting the bloody laundry water onto the apple tree because the bloody apple started to taste like soap suds. (laughs) (laughs) I said, I bloody told you so. And he goes, oh, I didn't think they would, but Jesus, they just about frothed up in your mouth when you ate them. (laughs) Yeah, you've got your Braeburn, your Galas, your Granny Smiths, and your Purcell-flavoured apples. (laughs) (laughs) It <laughs> pretty much was, mate. I'm not joking. <laughs> How much washing powder was, was being used in those fucking washing machines oh, of yours? Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, wait, because we, we're always encouraged to piss on a lemon tree. Why don't lemons taste like <laughs> urine? Hey, I've got another story about that. Oh, geez, go. We had a housewarming party in my house. I was probably, oh, geez, it would have been before the kids were born. So probably, oh, I think it was, it was about 12 years ago when we first moved into the house. We had a housewarming and we had all these people show up. And the guy that sold us the house, the real estate agent, gave us a lemon tree as a present. Mm. And we planted it beside the side deck of the house. There's a deck runs down the side of the house. So we planted it out the side by the fence. And we talked to a few people and they said, oh, I'd piss on the lemon tree. It makes them grow better. So jokingly, when everyone showed up for my housewarming, we said, oh, if you need to go and take a leak, go and piss on the lemon tree outside. <laughs> yes, here we go. So I'm not joking. Everyone in the house, I think a few girls included, went and peed on the lemon tree outside. The girls as well. All right, yeah, yeah, go. Oh, my God. It got out of control, mate. And they killed the lemon tree. 
in one night. They killed it. It died. It went and wilted and went. <laughs> Shit. I think they must have like turned the ground into acid around it. I don't know. There was that many people peeing on the lemon tree. Wow. Well, <laughs> even even though lemons and citrus are acidic, this must have been just acid overload for this plant. Yeah, it just overdid it. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Well, I've got to say, I mean, in the first episode, I mentioned that sometimes we go off in tangents and we really did there. Um, yeah, but let's did. go back now to talking about beer reviews and how you actually tell what's in a beer, <laughs> etc. cetera. Uh, time now for a very special guest who can teach us a few things about uh, beer. His name is Stephen Gallagher. How are you, mate? Oh, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, we're not too bad, mate. Welcome to the podcast, mate. Um, just something we started because obviously I moved to Christchurch and Oren is still in Thames and it was just a good way of us staying in touch. And every time we catch up anyway, we we just have a great time. And we thought, bugger it, let's just turn it into a podcast and have a bit of fun, get some guests on to talk about things that we have in common, you know, which is like beer drinking, et cetera. So. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. You, you'll, you'll have thousands of guests. It'll be easy. Absolutely, mate. It's um, bloody spot on. Well, Stephen, look, um, firstly, thanks so much for joining us, mate. I, I know it's been a long time coming because um, you're the only guest out of all the guests that we've had who's uh, probably been teased the most in the way of, he's coming up in the next episode. He's coming up in the next episode. Sorry, he's not here. He's going to be in the next episode. So this is the one interview that I've been looking forward to the most. Um, so great to have you here. How are you feeling, mate? Because I know you had your second COVID jab and you didn't sort of fare up too well after that, did you? Well, that's that's probably the best introduction I've ever had in my life. So I really appreciate <laughs> that. That's fantastic. No one's ever uh, hyped me up that much, not even my parents. So uh, I really appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I feel great. Obviously, um, COVID jab number two uh, last week it was and just, yeah, hit, hit the wall. Was woke up at about 11 p.m. and I was just sweaty and gross and I had to go and stand outside in the middle of the night and just try cool down but um by you know about three o'clock the next day I was feeling fine so it was just it was a weird feeling weird sensation but you know taking it off doing my part yeah, for yeah. the for the for the country and yeah trying to hopefully have a normal summer where we can consume some beers outside at some beautiful locations around oh, New Zealand. This is why I've been looking forward to this because you got your head screwed on. Um, <laughs> but that's the thing, eh? when I had my second COVID jab, yeah, I, I felt like I'd gone and run a marathon and hadn't trained for it. So I think, you know, everyone's going to react to it differently. But look, at the end of the day, uh, it's just good to have you here, mate, and you're feeling a lot better now. So Absolutely, love it. Thank you. So Oren and I have made it very, very clear, haven't we, mate, that we really do enjoy our beer to the point like we're not alcoholics, but we do always talk about it a lot because we, we have always, a lot. We seem to always have to point that out, eh, that we're not <laughs> yeah, alcoholics. No. So. Well, it's because it's, it's a big difference, right? You, you, can, you can enjoy beer, but you don't have to be, you know, consuming it at a ridiculous rate to no. enjoy it. No, absolutely. And we do. We, we do enjoy our beer uh, to the point where we try to review it as best we can, but we're just no good at it, which is why we've got you here. What, what's your backstory, Stephen? I mean, how did you end up falling in love with beers, craft beers, you know, whatever tickles your fancy? Do you know what? It really comes down to untapped the app. That's pretty much what got me on it because I was I sat down at the, I remember it clearly, it's September the 11th, twenty. 13 and I'd sit down at the States Ale House in Hamilton with a friend of mine and he's telling me about this app and that he's getting into different beers and stuff like that from it and I'm thinking okay cool sweet so I downloaded the app um, checked in my first beer I think it was a Spates distinction that I had that night and then 
kind of from then on in, it was recommending me beers that are similar to that. And then I'm thinking, okay, cool, sweet. Let's just try different beers, see what I'm up to. Obviously, 2013 compared to 2021 is completely different. And even, you know, grow, growing up, there was only about 10 different beers that my dad was drinking and they were all coming in a green bottle or a brown bottle. But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, and then it was just, like, okay, cool. What can I get from the bottle store that I haven't seen before or what's at the at the supermarket that I've you know never heard of or wanted to try so it was really about trying to push sort of those beer boundaries I suppose and and get into it a little bit more and figure out what what I actually like because you know when you're drinking your, your dad's beer or you're at the rugby club on a on a Saturday night and you're thinking what are these geezers doing this is awful you know what what is this beer that we're drinking here it's it's just not nice it was probably it was probably their home brew that was terrible back in the day <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah and look, yeah. some people haven't made any improvements in their home brew either in the <laughs> 25 years but um look, it was just one of those things about trying to just try something new and I was sort of you know always up for trying something new so I was like okay cool let's do it so really it all sort of come from the untapped app which um, I'm quite grateful for my mate getting me into it. Uh, Stephen you're going to answer a lot of questions for us uh, tonight but Oren we are label readers yes? Yep that's our best uh, interpretation of what a beer tastes like you just read the label on the back and agree with that. (laughs) Yeah but that's not the way you should judge a beer though Stephen right? Oh, look, I, I could go to the supermarket and I'll just buy a beer because A, I'll know what style I like, but B, the can just might take my interest. You know, it might be a cool, you know, like we're very lucky in New Zealand. Uh, we've got a lot of great beer labels and beer art and it's almost taken on a wind of its own. But I'll, I'll you know, I know what I like, but I also am willing to try new things and whether it's what's on the back of the label or whatever like that, it kind of just, you know, whatever sort of piques my fancy, whatever sort of mood I'm in, it kind of dictates what kind of beer I'm going to get from the bottle I or, or the supermarket. It's interesting, eh? Because there's, there's, artists... so, there's so much to choose from, eh? That's mm. it's, it's just it's gotten out of control a little bit almost. <laughs> yeah, well, as, as you were it's... saying, Stephen, when you go back to 2013, I mean, beer has come a long way since then. It absolutely has. And look, I've actually, I'm just checking my smartwatch here. I've got an email from Craft Beer Box Direct. So uh, that sort of shows you, like, they, they must have been listening. Like, they're already into the podcast. It's fantastic. But yeah, you're right. The beer has come a long way. And the market's ridiculous, right? And I'm, I'm very lucky to be in the central hub of craft beer, and that's Wellington. So from my office, uh, Garage Project's a five-minute walk away. Choice Brothers are a five-minute walk away. Whistling Sisters, all these different sorts of pubs and places and, and brewers are all literally within like a six or seven-meter radius. And I'm very lucky to be able to just enjoy it, embrace it, and just get amongst the whole scene. And, and I really love it. It's fantastic. Jealous. <laughs> Jealous. <laughs> Most people are. Most people are. You're a hundred percent right. Look, I'm. I'm very lucky, but uh, my bank account's not. So. You know. <laughs> well, that's actually funny. You say that. Like over the years, I've developed a bit of a taste for craft beers, and I'm more than willing to pay twice the price for less beer. Then you know, then say twenty five dollars for a twelve box of Heineken. I'm more than willing to pay the same price for six bottles of craft. I think I've got yeah, more of an appreciation. Yeah, yeah right. you just tend to be a little bit more open to opening your wallet a bit more, eh? When you get a decent quality craft beer, it's something mm. you, you tend to enjoy. Like those old lagers and drafts that we used to drink, you tend to just almost scull them. You never really enjoyed them the same. Yeah, that's what that's I think. You know, 
Well, just just like you're saying, you could buy a, a 25 box, you know, 12 beers, and you can drink them. But are you going to enjoy them? And you can drink 12 of them and feel awful the next day and not even enjoy a single drop. But you could buy two or three different beers with different, you know, alcohol contents, different flavors, uh, different sizes. For 25 bucks, you can have three or four for that sort of price. And yep. you're generally going to get a higher quality product, right? It's all about quantity and not quality. Well, quali- it's rather about quality, not quantity, rather. Yeah. So mm. I noticed, and I've noticed this over the last few years, but I've, I don't think I've ever talked to you about it, is your Beer Kai Facebook folder. Every type of beer that you drink, I see a photo pop up in there. Um, so you've, you've archived your, your beers in this Beer Kive. How many pictures are there? And are there a couple of you or a few of you contributing to this, or is this your own folder? Uh, it wasn't my wasn't my idea. So there's, I've got about uh, five other mates. So there's six of us that are contributing to this. And... Mm-hmm. Um, it's been going on now since about 2016 or 2015, I think. So, yeah, it's been about about six years. Uh, I just had a quick look before we jumped on the podcast. There's uh, 2,344 <laughs> pictures of beer between the six of us, which is a ridiculous amount. And I, I you know, I've even got just uh, a list of beers on my phone or photos of beers I've taken on my phone and that folder has 706 photos by itself, but that only goes back to 20, 2017, I think, like that. So, And that's only beers that I'm drinking that it has, like, either it might be the tap badge or it might be a can on the bottle. It won't be, like, a yeah, standard yeah. glass of beer or anything like that. So that's not everything I've had in that time, So, which is – but that's still quite a, a big <laughs> amount of beer, isn't that's it? That's ridiculous. That's impressive. It's a great hey. list. Yeah, well, it's better than one photo of a bottle of Heineken. Um, (laughs) But here's the thing, like, how do you properly review a beer? Because like I say, we're label readers, which you say isn't a bad thing. But Oren and I, because we got so much in common, we both feel the same about particular beers. We're like, oh, that tastes great. And that's about as far as it goes. We can't can't pick what's in it. I mean, how do you actually review a beer? Like, how do you do it? Because I know you, you write for a magazine, which we'll get to shortly. Yeah, look, it is it is a tough one, and there are people out there whose uh, palates are considerably more developed than mine. And I'm a little bit like you, Andy, where I'm like, oh, yep, that's just a good beer. But then I start to think about what is it that makes this beer great, and you can understand some characteristics of some hops, and then realize that you might get like more of a stone fruit sort of flavor. Or, you know, I just uh, had a beer the other day, and it was uh, a hazy brewed with hibiscus. So you're thinking it's a little bit more floral, and it's almost just kind of what complements that sort of beer or makes it sort of like a, a rounded sort of expectation of flavor, I suppose, where you can understand, okay, cool, yep, I can I can taste that. And then as you're reading it on the back and thinking, oh, yeah, cool, yeah, right, you know, it's got this hop in it here. You know, I've had, I've had that hop variety before in another beer, and that's why I like this beer because of it. So you can sort of review it really simply or you can get into a really specific characteristics and, and what you like and what you like about it. But at the end of the day, for me, a good beer is just a beer that I can bond with in a way where it's just like, cool, I could sit down, I could have this beer, I can enjoy it once, I can enjoy it 10 times, I can enjoy it 100 times. But the thing is, you know, what makes this beer so special to me is that it's drinkable, it's refreshing, and everything's different, right? It took me a long time to get into stout beers and dark beers. You know, I, that was just something I hadn't developed as a palate. But now, 
in the middle of winter, I'll probably drink more dark beers than normal because it's sort of like at a room temperature and you get to enjoy it. And, you know, when you get one of those beers, you know, dessert stouts that are very popular at the moment and you get them to a room temperature and it almost from pouring it out of the glass or from pouring it out of the bottle or the can or from the, or from the keg, you know, it's a different beer from the time you started it to the time you finished it. And you're thinking, you know, I wasn't tasting these flavors at the beginning and now all of a sudden I'm getting them at the end. So it's yep. quite interesting how it can all sort of mix up and, and be different. And, and it's just, it's just weird how beer is not just Heineken, you know, it's brewed with all these ridiculous things. And, you know, you look back to Germany, whose laws are still that if it's not brewed with those four ingredients, like, you can't do anything more than that. That's all they can do. So, you know, we're so lucky in New Zealand that we've got not a purity law around it and people are just only putting in whatever they want and people are drinking it and people just are like it. Eh? Yeah. yeah, that's and, part of it. It's exciting, yeah. right? You just want to know, cool, hey, this beer has um, blueberries in it. Okay, cool, sweet. Oh, my God, it tastes just like a blueberry beer. That's exactly what I thought it was going to be like. Or, oh, yeah, this has got some lime in it or some yuzu and you're thinking – Oh, yep, cool. I can taste that. I'm, I'm like, I'd never have yuzu, you know, unless it was for beer. I don't even know what it looks like in the supermarket. I don't even know if we have them in the supermarkets. I don't even know where it comes from. <laughs> I, I, oh, I know it's uh, delicious. I think a lot of um, a lot of beers have gotten better, though. I still remember having my first craft beers when I was in Hamilton one night with a few mates. And they got my mate went up, got us a pint of beer each, and he brought it back. He said, Try this. This is one of the new craft beers that they've got on tap. So I tried it. And to be honest, at first, I, it almost like, screwed my face up you know like it was that tart and stoutly like it was a totally different flavor that I, to what i was used to but i guess it's either my, my palate's changed or the refinement of those beers has gotten a lot better over the years and they're so much more enjoyable to drink now yeah totally and i remember uh the first real proper craft beer i had it was probably 20 2012 maybe and it was just a my girlfriend at the time was living around the corner from Garage Project. And I just remember a flatmate's like, oh, here's a Garage Project. And I'm like, what's a, what's a Garage Project, right? And I drink and I'm thinking, this is awful. Like, what <laughs> is this? This is terrible. Who's brewing this? Because, you know, all I was trying was beers that were basically now what I would consider water. You know, like the Heinekens, yeah. your spates, like, look, I'll drink it if I have to, but I'd rather not, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yep. I love I love the level of respect you have for the mate. And so, do you actually pair up your beers with specific foods? Do you go as far as that? Uh, I'm not that specific or uh, complicated as a human being. I just want to have a good beer, <laughs> and I know what I like in terms of food, right? But uh, you can't go wrong with steak. Uh, things. Yeah, steak. Yeah, and beer yeah, on yeah. your steak. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everything goes with steak, right? But you can also have like Sunday afternoon, you can have your pretzels or pistachios or chips or whatever, right? But um, what I really like about places that, you know, they'll actually often consider, you know, what you're drinking on tap and they'll have like a, a pairing of like what goes well with this. And so there's almost a, an art to the food side of beer too, which has come a long way in the last sort of, you know, 10 years. You've got your lagers, you've got your stouts, you've got your bitters, you've got your crafts, but are there way more categories that branch off those? Like when it comes to reviewing beers, do you sort of categorize each of these or is it just a craft beer? Oh, uh, look, I don't even, you know, this is how much of a beer wanker I am, Andy. I don't <laughs> use the term craft because it's all craft really. <laughs> You know, yeah. I, I, it's just, true. you know, it's just beer and 
I there's so many different subcategories and it's almost like music. You know, you've got your rock, but there's pop rock and country rock and stadium <laughs> rock and glam rock and whatever you know else you can fit in those categories. Beer's almost similar because you know you can have your IPAs, you can have your double IPAs, or you can have just like an unfiltered IPA and things like that. So there's just so much about it, but you almost have to just if you're starting in that journey, just start with something, you know, try something and then see what you can go on that journey from there. Cause you know, you know, you look at Tui, right? Tui is an IPA, but you wouldn't consider Tui to be an IPA in 2021. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose another answer to that is Andy, shut the fuck up and stop asking me these stupid deep questions. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's good. You're right. You'd be, you know, there's, there's so many different things to it. So it's, it's, but at the end of the day, I just want to make it simple for myself. It's just beer. Yeah. I like beer. I'll try anything. No, I'll, this is good. I'll, I'll this is good. You, I, was, I was drinking some hot water brewing co beers. Have you ever had those? Yep. 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 I've been up there too. It's, yeah. Uh, they're bloody good. Spot. Those ones. Eh? Uh, I don't really see them down these ways anymore, but um, yep. when I was living in, in Tauranga, it was, you know, you'd, you'd find them all, all around in that sort of area and up Coromandel. So yeah, they're, they're pretty good. I really like them. Same with batch brewing though. They're probably like a bit more, a bit bigger, a bit more mainstream than, than hot water, but um, you can still yep. find those everywhere. Mm. Yeah. So you write reviews for a magazine. Um, I, I, I can't remember what the name of the magazine is. You'll tell us, but I mean, it's just a hobby for you, right? I mean, are there any other benefits? Is it something you get paid for? Am I in the wrong job? What's the what's the go? Free beer. Look, yeah. uh, <laughs> look it, it, do you know what? It actually just started out that I was just like, look, I read this little, it's called The Pursuit of Hoppiness. I read this That's little it. magazine every time I go to a bar, right? Because they're always there. And I was just reading them and I love reading them. I find them super interesting. And I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to write something. I'll send it to the editor. If he likes it, cool. He can publish it, whatever. No worries. If he doesn't like it, if it's not for him, cool. No worries. You know, I just like writing. I like beer, I like writing, cool. Two perfect things for me. Sent it off to Michael Donaldson, who's huge in the beer industry. He's been around for a long time. He's written a few beer books as well. And he just said, look, mate, love it. would love to have you on, continue on. Whatever you want to write, you can write. I'm saying, cool. You know, this is awesome. And in this time, so this is probably going back three years ago now, two years ago, and I was just writing it for fun and now I'm lucky be enough to making a little bit of coin from it. The advertising revenues doing all right for pursuit of happiness, which is fantastic. So, you know, I get Brilliant. a little bit of, I get beer money for it, right? That's kind of what it looks like. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I'll write this. I'll write this about beer. Great. Cool. And then I'm just going to reinvest that money into beer to continue to write in the circle of life. Is that, complete. That, that, that's what I was going <laughs> to say. Lucky. Circle of happiness. <laughs> oh, it is. hundred percent. <laughs> That's so good. Um, like, I'll be honest. I mean, I, I haven't read the magazine myself, but I definitely will endeavour to do that. I mean, it's perfect for you. Like you say, creative writing is one of your major things because you are a creative writer for MediaWorks and a very good one at that too. I miss you. <laughs> I miss your scripts, mate. You used to send me a lot of scripts, but um, I, I no, should get back into the habit of sending them to you. I do have <laughs> yeah. some that I'm writing at the moment, so I'll keep you in mind, eh? Yeah, definitely, dude. That's brilliant. I, I, I tell you, you've answered a lot of great questions. So um, it's sort of um, brought us level now. And I think we kind of understand a little bit more about beer, Oren, which, I mean, you kind of get to a yeah. point where you think you know it all, right? But <laughs> but no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Turns out we don't. That's right. <laughs> We've got a lot to learn. Hey, it's a good excuse to keep drinking it. That's right. A hundred percent. You know, I've... 
Uh, during lockdown, I've actually I sort of spent too much money on on booze because there wasn't too much else to do. So I've got <laughs> fifty cans in the fridge of different beers and breweries that I've just that I just purchased online, and I'm just slowly making my way through them. I, try, I tend not to drink too much during the week, but you know I might have a couple on a Friday to Sunday, which is fantastic. But it means I'm slowly making my way through them. I think you had the same problem everybody had uh, during lockdown. I think. Uh... The majority of the nation probably spent far too much money on alcohol. <laughs> yeah, uh, at least I know I wasn't the only one, right? But I think what sort of made it better is that these breweries were like, oh, you know, if you spend 50 bucks, it'll be free currying. So I'm like, cool, great. That's me done. 50 bucks each spend at a brewery. You know, that's that's six to 12 beers. Cool, I can sort that. No worries. And, you know, me and the courier became great mates over the lockdown. But he was just, he probably just thought I was a chronic alcoholic or the six o'clock fill was coming back or something like that you know i was just fully getting into it and he was just he probably got sick of me by the end of it and which is probably why i haven't ordered some more online for a long time but um you know being based in wellington now back back in the office and things like that i can you know just wander across to the bottle shop or you know uh yesterday being the first day of the month you know the new fresh theories come from garage project so you know pop five minutes up the road got got the new november beer so probably give that a go tomorrow night and see how we go yeah, that's perfect. All right, Stephen, look, we appreciate your time. We know it's real precious, mate, but uh, thank you so much for joining us. One more question. Though. The Beer Kai folder that we were talking about, is it um, accessible by general public? I mean, can we share it on our Tradio Facebook page? or? Uh, I, you, you could probably – there's probably a link to share on there. I'll, I'll have a look into it, but it's – it's quite overwhelming to the general public, right, to see these six grown men that have just spent the last five years drinking beers with each other or separately or whatever, and it's just – it's an impressive amount of pictures. You know, I've never – you know, I don't have kids, but I imagine that's what people do with their kids, right? Take all these photos of their kids, but my beers are my children at the moment, so that's kind of <laughs> what I'm taking photos of. Yeah, well, this is it. I mean, you can't pick and choose your kids, but you can with your beer. Um, so, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's something I'm going to take some inspiration from, I think, because you know, I'll have a look through it and uh, see if there's different ones that I can try for sure, mate. So it's going to be very handy indeed. But anyway, Stephen, thank you so much, mate. We really, really appreciate your time. And uh, cheers to that. Thank you oh, cheers, guys. Appreciate having me on. Thank you very much. I, I feel like I've learned a lot more about beer now, <laughs> which I yeah, Didn't think yeah. I needed to know, but he brought a lot to the table. Excuse the pun. Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel a bit more educated now. I know what I'm <laughs> drinking now. Know what to look out for and what to taste. Well, exactly. <laughs> and you can you can be a little bit more appreciative and uh, respectful of your beers too. Uh, it's probably yeah, a good yeah. way to do. It. All right. Well, that's it for this podcast, episode five, episode six. We'll drop it on the nineteenth of November. Uh, so looking forward to it. If you're listening on the day that this has been released, the fifth of November, then be careful with your fireworks. Oh, yeah, it's Guy Fawkes night, isn't it? It is. It is. I'll leave you with this wee thought for the day, though. Do you know Mars is the only planet we know of that's populated entirely by robots? (laughs) That's a good one. It's a daunting thought. It is. Take me to your leader. Oh, hang on, I'm the only one here. (laughs) Life is so lonely. (laughs) Poor little buggers. (laughs) Radio.